If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. What's up and welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Monday, May 15th, 2023. Of course, I am Tim Geddes, and I'm joined by the new face of video games, Blessing Adeoye Jr. Tim, I was very convinced that work could have gotten canceled today. Yeah. This is Zelda. Every day, from now on. Let's you know just, what I mean? Let's just take a week off. I feel like there's enough in this game to be able to, to play it forever. Oh, yeah. You know? The fact that this weekend, I was like, this is my first weekend free. I don't have to play Zelda. I can do whatever I want. And I just played Zelda. Yeah. I, I, I it saw. just keeps going. <laughs> I was playing and I kept seeing Blessing popping up multiple yep. times. In, in I was out. playing so long in one sitting that you started and stopped multiple times. Hell yeah, <laughs> in dude. that same day. How much have you played over the weekend? <laughs> Not as much as I wish that I could have. Because this is such a phenomenal game. But uh, I, I made some good progress. I want to say I'm maybe like... 12 hours in something like okay. that um but oh my god First what impression? an event oh love it love this game we're gonna do a whole games cast later this week um uh, about everyone else's first First kind of couple days impressions of this absolute masterpiece of a video oh, game. Yeah. What an experience this is, man. To to not only be able to finally get it, my hands on it myself, but to be on Twitter, see everybody playing it. Every time I load up my Switch, literally everyone, except for me sometimes playing Pokemon Scarlet, uh, Scarlet and Violet, yeah. everyone is playing Tears of the Kingdom. It's just like, it's a special cool moment that I missed out on last year with Elden Ring. You yeah. know, and it's rare that we get these big moments, like Elden Ring being one of them. But before that, it's like, I, I don't know. I don't know yeah, what like it Breath was. Animal, I guess like Animal, Animal Crossing. Crossing. Animal yeah. Crossing, yeah, which is another one I missed out on. So it's yeah. like there's the moments like God of the God of Wars and things like that. But I feel like that's more of like the weekend. One one experience yeah. that we're all it's like more like watching a movie, right? Yeah. Whereas this kind of feels like watching a season of a TV show. Yeah, I think there's something to be said about one, how big and gigantic the game is, and you can play this game for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and still get so much out of it, but then also the amount of creativity you can put into it. I think that's the thing that you're missing out when it comes to something like a God of War, where it comes out, we're so hyped for it, we play it for the weekend, you see the the uh, Twitter talking about it, TikToks, all that stuff, and then you know eventually you see it fade and then go into the next thing because that's what video games are, right? It's a cycle of what's coming out next, what's the next thing we're, we're getting to. With something like Animal Crossing or something like Elden Ring or something like The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, there's so much creativity and ownership involved to where in Animal Crossing, it is people showing off their islands. It is people showing off their houses and showing off the characters and all that stuff. In Elden Ring, it's people showing off these different builds and showing off the, the, uh, these moments that they're having and playing the game over a long period of time. And now with Tears of the Kingdom, it's people showing off these fucked up contraptions <laughs> that they made or incredible contraptions. I have seen things that I did not think I would ever see in this video game after playing it for a few weeks. I saw somebody make a a helicarrier <laughs> like i saw somebody make a fucking like a, a like war machines people just spawning like flying war machines with cannons taking out entire settlements of bacoblins i have seen incredible th th things that people have done with this game and it has sparked so much joy in me oh yeah and i'm, I'm starting to get to the place where now i was talking to roger about this um earlier today uh -oh. where i'm uh -oh. like uh -oh. i'm uh -oh. like dude here's the kingdom it might be hard for me to make the argument that 
it's not easily better than Breath of the Wild. Easily. Easily, easily. better. Like, in every metric that we were talking about, I was like, dude, it's hard to name a metric in which this game doesn't step things up. I think the one thing, and Barrett brought this up in the conversation, is the fact that Hyrule, uh, Hyrule is familiar, right? Breath of the Wild had that benefit of having a Hyrule that you hadn't explored before. But even on top of that, it's the fact that you're coming back to Hyrule, and every single location that you can think of, there's something new there, and there's something to discover there. And so it's... it's Tears of the Kingdom is dope. Uh, part of Tears of the Kingdom's dopeness comes from the fact that Breath of the Wild was so dope, right? I have an idea of how cool it was to discover Hateno Village or Kakariko Village or Luralin mm -hmm. or um, Terrytown or the Rito. Like, I had all these dope, you know, um, unique moments in Breath of the Wild. And now when I'm playing Tears of the Kingdom, in my mind, I'm like, Oh, I got to get here. I got to get to the Lost Woods at some point. I got to get back to, to um, Gerudo Valley to see what's going on here. Like, I have all these locations in my mind that I want and need to follow up on. And that's special. Like, you that's don't great. get that that often. No, no, that, that's such a good point. And it's something I'm experiencing with this one is, you know, I beat the hell out of Breath of the Wild, but I didn't do everything. Like, far, far, far from it. And I think because of that, my famili familiarity with the map is, like, pretty much non-existent like there's certain things i'm like of course i remember this i remember like where uh certain towns are but i feel like it's it's not like mario 64 where i know every single thing yeah. backwards and forwards where it's like I, new map old map it doesn't really matter to me because there's so much going on that i'm like i don't remember exactly how things were before because it was mm -hmm. years ago that, that i played the game and i hadn't replayed breath of the wild so i think there's probably a lot of people out there in my situation that like if you told him, oh, yeah, so much of this has changed, you would be like, hey, I believe you. <laughs> it's it's like, like, sure, okay. There's, yeah. just, there's just so much, especially when you add all of the, the Sky stuff and everything else. But uh, I tweeted out over the weekend, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom makes me feel like a freaking genius. I'm unstoppable. My wit is unmatched. Zelda Tears of the Kingdom makes me feel like a freaking idiot. I can be stopped. I am a complete loser. Yep. Repeat every 10 minutes. Yep. And that is just my experience in a nutshell, and I fucking love it. Dude, it's that thing where I... You know, a, a lot of the puzzle design of Tears of the Kingdom, I feel like, comes so naturally to me because I really, I really enjoy Nintendo's approach to puzzles because they're never, usually for the, for the most part, they're never too hard. Usually it is, oh, I just got to think for 20 seconds and I can put together exactly what they're, trying, what they're trying to do here. Or with Tears of the Kingdom, usually it is, let me experiment. There are so many different options I have here for how I can approach this problem. So I'm just going to put Legos together and hit it, turn it on, see what happens, and, ho and hopefully it works. Usually that's how they go for the most part. There's one, there was one shrine that I, I, I was playing during the review period that fucked me up, dude. That legitimately, it's, it has to do with rails, right? It's about like you're, you're combining different like boards to then get like um, a smooth line on the rails to try and get to the end. And I struggled so much with that. And in fact, anything that involves rails in Tears of the Kingdom, I struggle with. Not anymore though, because I learned that you can make a skateboard. <laughs> I can't wait. I haven't done it yet, but I need to. Yeah. No, I, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, this changes everything. This yeah. changes everything. Yeah. But uh, I posted it on, I, I quote tweeted on Twitter because Cameron Hawkins put out uh, his tweet of him doing the dungeon. And it, Cameron Hawkins actually did it by doing the skateboard method. But um, I was stuck in this dungeon that Barry has pulled up here forever. Like I, I was, I did it for like an hour, tried different things, tried combining different ways of doing it. Couldn't figure it out. Left, came back a second time a few days later to try and see if I, if I can come back to it with a refreshed mind. Couldn't figure it out. And then eventually I, I, I like just in playing, I was like, wait a second. And then I had an idea and then I came back to the dungeon and the idea I had worked, but it wasn't, it definitely wasn't the like meant for a way. It wasn't the way that the, that the that shrine was meant to be solved. I just created my own way because this game lets you create That's your own point. ways. And I, oh God, we'll, we'll move on from this in just for a sure. second. But I do want to say like, that is the most beautiful thing about this game is that 
there is the way they want you to, but really the way they want you to is just for you to do it. Yeah. And I love that because in other games, it feels like you're breaking it. This game doesn't feel like you're breaking it. It feels like that is the point. The way that they want you to do it is just a way. It's almost the, like the yeah. way they don't necessarily want you to. They're just like, yeah, you could if you needed to. Like the main tools they give you in this game are just tools to break the game. Which is incredible. Inc like the and, fact the, and the game doesn't break. And the game doesn't. And the game doesn't have any bugs. Which <laughs> is fucking crazy. Like the ascendability. I let's oh get this, this show. Uh, really quick. I just uh, again. I think it's to the games. Uh, just how excellent it's uh, designed. Where even when I can't figure out a shrine, and then I have to walk away, and I'm doing chores, but I'm still like thinking about it all the time, and I'm thinking yep. about this specific shrine. I'm like wait, what if this is a way that I can do it? And I get excited, even though knowing full well that it probably, like my solution that I thought in my head probably won't work, and then I go back to it, and it doesn't, but then I'm still thinking of all these other new ideas and not getting deterred from it, I think is just fucking excellent, because that was something that scared me was all the building stuff, and yeah. I'm, I'm loving it. Dude, last night, the stone boss beating my, whatever, stone enemy, mm -hmm. beating the shit out of me. Like, one hit kill, and I'm like, I, there's no way I could do this. But I was being stubborn. Tried, 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 tried. After about 10 attempts, I was like, I just need to stop. Mm -hmm. Went to sleep. Woke up at like 3 in the morning like, <gasps> like it was like, like, Tim, wake up. It was like that type oh, of yeah. shit. And uh, I was like, wait a minute. The rewind ability. When he throws yep. a rock at me, I can fucking rewind it and it'll slam back at him. Woke up this morning, beat the shit out of that guy. Hell yeah, dude. Hell and that's yeah, Legend dude. of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, everybody. But this is kind of Funny Games Daily, where each and every weekday, we run you through all the video game news that you need to know. Uh, today's stories include Zelda's open world being here to stay, Amazon making a Lord of the Rings MMO, and more. Because, like I said, this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Every single weekday, 10 a.m., live, twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames, youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames. That's exactly where you're going to want to be. But if you can't be there live, you can watch us later on youtube.com slash kind of funny games or podcast services around the globe. Just search for kind of funny games daily and we will be right there for you. Uh, if you don't want to watch live, you can watch later um, on all the places I just named. I messed that up. Meant to say kind of funny.com slash KFGD is where you can go to write in all of your questions, comments, concerns, whatever it is that you want to talk about under the video game sun. If video games aren't your thing and movies and TV are, Guess what? YouTube.com slash kind of funny screencast podcast feed in review podcast feed. They are popping off right now. We just did our fast five uh, rewatch uh, leading into fast 10, the beginning of a new and potentially final trilogy oh, of fast and furious <laughs> movies. Everybody. Woo. What a time to be a part of the family. Uh, remember patreon.com slash kind of funny is where you're going to want to go to get the shows ad free uh to get a bevy of bonus content like an amazing episode of the shit list we just did yes, uh, where bless and i went through the first half of gq's top 100 games of all time uh and it was a good episode oh, great episode. episode we're doing 50 to 1 yes sir so, hey patreon's a great place to be right now some housekeeping for you on Friday, March 19th, we are celebrating Kevin and Mike's birthdays with a special Subathon Marathon stream. Uh, we're going to get in our PJs, build a fort, and go late if you want it. Come join us for some snacks, games, and sleepover vibes. That's this Friday, everybody. This Friday, hang out with your favorite boys. Uh, and then only on YouTube and live stream, uh, we're going to be doing a 30-minute post-show after Games Daily where Snowbike Mike's going to come in, talk to us about your questions, about the news stories today, or whatever video game stuff Sorry, you want to really talk quick. about. The, the first bit of housekeeping Keeping for the the slumber party that was something that nick wrote in right yeah mm -hmm. okay it's may 19th not march 19th may 19th everybody may 19th may 19th i was just banana he's old that one you know 
Um, I know. Nick doesn't even know what year it is. You know? Who knows, man? Thank you to our Patreon producer, Delaney Twining, for putting up with our bullshit. Uh, today, we're brought to you by Shady Rays, but we'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have eight stories today, and there's a lot of big ones. A baker's dozen. Story number one. Keeping this Zelda hype rolling on, bless. Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is the second biggest Nintendo launch in UK history. This comes from Christopher Dring at GamesIndustry.biz. Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, a.k.a. T-O-T-K, uh, is the biggest box video game launch of the year in the UK. Uh, they also revealed the game is Nintendo's second biggest release in UK history by revenue behind 2008's Wii Fit. Wow. Uh, if we discount the balance board price, it's actually the biggest Nintendo release by revenue. In terms of units, the game only lags behind Wii Fit and combined sales of Pokemon games, namely combined sales of Sun and Moon and Scarlet and Violet. Uh, its opening week sales eclipsed the box sales of Hogwarts Legacy by more than 50%. This is just box sales, and Hogwarts, which was released on PC, PS5, and Xbox Series S and X in February, did have a very strong digital launch. Switch digital sales are typically much lower than the other platforms, so it's unknown if the game outsold Hogwarts overall. It's easily the biggest Zelda launch in history, selling more than 2.7 times the opening week sales of Breath of the Wild from 2017. Nick Scarpino. I had up? three people read that housekeeping. Yeah. yeah. You were one of them. <laughs> I just did right now, and I fucked it up. Apparently it was like that on Friday, too. Great, everyone. Tune in a year and a half from now, March 19th, for our yeah. seventh on yeah. May 19th, this, this weekend, a, a year and, and a half. Fun. Friday. A year and a half would be like That would be like November. <laughs> hey, you know what? We don't do math here, okay? <laughs> All right. A year and one eighth. How about that? How about that? Captain Semantics. <laughs> oh, what is that? Wee wee. It's the Semantic Police. Where are they? Oh my god. <laughs> it's called humor. Extrapolate. March was like two months ago. <laughs> Ten months. It's, it's Not called, even a year. It's called humor. <laughs> extrapolate. He said. You know what? You know what? You guys are disinvited to the March 19th no! stream. Oh, oh, God. Yo, hey, you want to go to a rooftop and play Zelda together? Oh, let's Hell go. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be next March, and so we're, we're, <laughs> we're talking about, what, the Switch 2 at that point? Maybe some DLC. Let's go. Oh, my God. Um, anyway, the last line there I want to read again because I think this is important. It's easily the biggest Zelda launch in history, selling more than 2.7 times the opening week sales of Breath of the Wild from 2017. Goddamn. Yeah, man. So that's that's. And that's in UK specifically. Exactly. Uh, these early numbers usually are, right? UK kind of uh, talks about their numbers differently than the, the NPD does yeah. over here. Um, again, Nintendo not releasing its digital sales until their kind of like annual uh, fiscal th discussions that they have. Um, makes sense, the 2.7 times, just in the sense that the Switch is now in probably 100 million more yeah. hands than it was back then being the launch of the, the system. But, you know, we're talking about the follow-up to what is probably like the most important launch title of all time. And like that's keeping in mind like Wii Sports yeah, Wii Sports and Mario 64 and stuff, like the numbers and sheer revitalization. You of put a that franchise. as most important. I mean, I think I think in the sense of like Zelda being an iconic video game franchise, like an important franchise, a critically mm -hmm. acclaimed franchise, Breath of the Wild put it on the map of being a system seller and a uh just the seller itself, yeah, right? To the point that these numbers are ridiculously insane. Mm. And I think that because of that, like, it, that, it boosted the Switch in a way. I mean, think about where we were at the Wii U, right? Oh, for sure. You know? Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think that this, this is exciting. This is a win for Nintendo. Also, $70. 
not yeah, $60. I mean, that's a really good point, right? When we're talking about revenue, that's one point I, I didn't even think about. It. Yeah, this is gonna actually going to make more money. And I, I, I assume it's going to sell more units overall, um, just based on sequels usually sell more than the, than the original title. Um, right now, in terms of sales for Breath of the Wild, as, as of March 31st, 2023, uh, we were looking at 29.81 million units. And I've always been a little bit surprised about how where Breath of the Wild falls in terms of overall Switch sales, because it's number four, which is really high for a platform, but it is under Smash Ultimate, Animal Crossing, and then Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. But it's number four on the Switch. On the Switch. Which is like yeah. one of the most loaded software, if not the most loaded hof, soft, software sales console of all time. Yeah, especially for like, when we're talking about any, first party. I want to make sure I'm right about that. But like, yeah, because if you, you start counting Grand Theft Auto and, and Call of Duty, yeah. like, yeah. But like, if you're just talking about like exclusives on systems, like. Oh, one thousand easily. Yeah. Easily, yeah, 1,000%. I don't think so. It's like it being number four, a Zelda game, which is not traditionally there at all. Like, we're talking about sales numbers where Breath of the Wild is like pretty much like all the rest combined, you know? Yeah. So my question is, where does Tears of the Kingdom land overall, do you think? Three years from now, are we talking about Tears of the Kingdom being higher than Smash Ultimate? So here's the thing. I mean, it's complicated because I don't know that the, the I think that the initial sales of Tears of the Kingdom are going to be astronomical, but yeah. I don't know that it ever can catch up. You don't think it's these, going to have the same power because like everyone got Breath of the Wild when it, when the when they just got their Switch. I mean, yeah, would they not here? I mean, look, I think the only, look, the only you look at Pokemon sales, right? Yeah. And on uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield was uh, like it broke records for Pokemon. And then Scarlet and Violet came out and it just broke even more yeah. records. And Scarlet and Violet has not yet crossed Sword and Shield, but it's only been out <laughs> for four. Oh, no, I guess at this point it, it's been like seven uh, months. Yeah, seven months. Um, but the next time we get updated numbers, it will eclipse it. So, yeah, Tears of the Kingdom will eclipse. I think so. It's been seven months. It's, I guess it's been like six months. God damn, time flies. I know. Time is crazy. Yeah, we're halfway through May. Yeah, like so when you're when you're talking about Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, right? Pokemon Scarlet and Violet right now is sitting at number seven with twenty two point ten million units, and then you move up a couple of spots to Pokemon Sword and Shield, which has about three million more than that, sitting at twenty five point eighty two million. I think the thing that might keep Tears of the Kingdom or propel it, depending on how Nintendo handles it, um, would be new hardware, right? If a new if the Switch Two comes out and comes with more exciting, you know, software comes with like the next Mario comes with whatever, and that is, let's say, twenty twenty four. Do people start to look toward the new? Does that start to slow down the long term? I guess just the longevity of Tears of the Kingdom sales over time, or does Nintendo play it smart and go, "Hey, with the Switch Two, here's a unique version of Tears of the Kingdom that is the deluxe edition," because <laughs> that if they if they do that, this game is for sure getting top three in terms of in terms of software sales on the Switch. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if that counts, like, however they, yeah, they do that. Sure. Yeah, it's, I mean, look, here's the thing. It's going to sell extremely well. It's going to, I think, eventually break the top 10. And having multiple Zeldas with this level of sales is the most impressive thing oh, ever. Oh, so, so like, good they for the They did it this generation. Uh, on top of so many other countless franchises that we've talked about before, like Kirby and Metroid selling better than they ever have, Fire Emblem. Like, it's just on a roll. 3D Mario. Like, there's, I don't think there's many examples of games not selling best on switch yeah. uh, when it comes to nintendo so um congrats my, to them on the sales my prediction and i don't know how to check in on this i guess check in in four years four or five years um i think it sells higher than smash ultimate i don't think it surpasses animal crossing which might be a safe bet but that's that seems about right and i think that'll that, that'll be huge right like this is a game that right now as we're seeing it on social media it has that 
Animal Crossing level of virality to it where everybody's making content about it because the creation infusing and um, crafting stuff is so dope and so easily like it, it's it translate translates really well to that short form content creation that's on fire right now the tiktoks i've been seeing of people building shit like the 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 things people have been showing in terms of vehicles mechs um i saw somebody make a literal um trojan horse <laughs> where they created a horse out of boards and then they ascended themselves into it and then rode it into like a thing I, it's, people are so so creative and i think that's going to i think that's really going to push it in terms of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom being in the content creation space over the course of the whole year, if not the next few years. Yeah, I do think there's something to be said too about the fact that I'm sure there are spoilers in this game, and for people that really care about Zelda, like there's going to be a lot of things that they want to know for the first time. Yeah. Uh, and I know there's some people that are sensitive to the point of like not even wanting to know what puzzles there are or what enemies they come up against or whatever. But I think that there's just so much quality content in this game that the fear of being spoiled by every single thing isn't there in the same way that God of War or something where yeah. like spoilers are kind of the point of the experience uh, more so, like way more so I'd say than this. And the point of this is more the creative ways to, to go about things or the, the moments of discovery. But there are so many moments of discovery that I wouldn't be mind. I wouldn't mind if I saw a, like half of them because mm. I probably am not even going to come across a percentage of those throughout my playtime for sure yeah i think this is more it man this might be something to speak to nintendo games in general and how they design and how this reflects in sales but nintendo i think they're more so going for like the everlasting gobstopper of hey yeah this game is meant to be played over time like this is a game that we want to have staying power because that is what we have as nintendo we have the first party whereas for playstation playstation first party for example yeah like the first let's say three days sales are so important when we're talking about a PlayStation first party st uh, game, the first week sales, the immediate sales, because it is, Hey, this is the big push we're making. And then you see sales drop off over time, right? Like, of course, God of War is always going to sell. Last is, is always going to sell, but we have those moments like last was TV show that comes through and really, and boost it up. And then mm -hmm. sales come back down from there because that is how people consume these games. It is, we're going to play this and then on to the next one in the way that we were talking about God of War. Zelda, Animal Crossing, Pokemon, Mario Kart, the, the, the fact that they're still putting out Mario Kart 8 Deluxe DLC, and they're still pushing that as, as, as a thing, and it's hit over 50 million, 50 million units as a piece of software. Like, Nintendo is, yeah, designing for that long term. They, this is a game, through playing it, you can even tell, this is a game they want people to stick with over a long course of time, and so... That makes sense. Uh, we need to move on uh, to the next story here. But real quick, I just want to say in terms of these numbers and Nintendo and stuff, something that like really blows my mind is you bring up Last of Us and how much it boosted the sales of the Last of Us games. Mm -hmm. The Mario movie came out, changed the game when it came to, to animated box office, all the stuff in so many different ways, Illumination, whatever. And they didn't have a new Mario game. And they didn't have a new Mario Kart. <laughs> I just, it's, it, it is interesting. And yeah. it's like, I'm sure that it boosted the sales from like the legacy stuff, but it's just like, I wonder how much it boosted the sales for the legacy stuff, though. I, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm sure it didn't somewhat. have Mario Kart already, but I, I, I wonder how much it's going to boost Mario Kart sales mm -hmm. uh, at some point. But the um, other thing is Mario the movie. Um, I think it was Greg last week on Game Say that was telling me that it's coming to digital next week. Yeah, and I was like, "There's no way. Like, yeah. There's no. It is. It's on the. It's on the it's, new dates. It's coming to digital next week. And like, this there's week. just so much money that's being left on the table, but it's because so many, in my theory at least, mm -hmm. is there's so many blockbusters this summer that now with Guardians out and with uh, Fast 10 coming out this week and then uh, Spider-Verse and there's all this stuff, there's just not enough screens for it to be in theaters. But I saw Mario 
the movie in theaters last weekend, and the theater was absolutely packed with kids. Hell yeah. And I imagine they wanted to, uh, like you're saying with the summer blockbuster thing, I, w- I imagine that they want to keep the momentum of like uh, Mario bringing money in, but just in a different kind of platform, which... I don't think Nintendo really cares about one way or the other if it's in theaters or if it's out digitally because yeah I haven't seen it and I'm I'm stoked I didn't know that that was coming digitally uh, next week so yeah, tomorrow yeah. oh tomorrow, tomorrow yeah. man wow that's just it's oh my god so much money on the table but whatever it's it is what it is story number two open world Zelda is a format for the future of the series says producer Ig Inoma uh, this is from Ed Nightingale at Eurogamer. Zelda series producer has stated that Breath of the Wild style gameplay continued in Tears of the Kingdom is a new kind of format for the future of the series. In an interview with Game Informer, uh, Anuma asked if the open world design would be the foundation for the next several games, just as Ocarina of Time previously established the 3D format. He agreed Ocarina of Time did create a format, but it was ultimately restricted for the designers, while Breath of the Wild offered a new type of play. Quote, with Ocarina of Time, I think it's correct to say that it did kind of create a format for a number of titles in the franchise that came after it, but in some ways that was a little bit restricting for us. While we always aimed to give the players freedom of certain kinds, there were certain things that format didn't really afford in giving people freedom. Of course, the series continued to evolve after Ocarina, but I think it's also fair to say now that we've arrived at Breath of the Wild and the new type of more open play and freedom that it affords. Yeah, I think it's correct to say that it's created a new kind of format for the series to proceed from. He also commented on puzzle design and the variety of solutions available to players, noting it's okay to cheat. Quote, when you think about people, cheating is fun. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> the box, I guess. Uh, when thinking, <laughs> wait, sorry. When you think about people, cheating is fun. He laughs. They like it. Finding that shortcut is enjoyable. People will look for an easy way to do something if they can avoid struggling. We want to make sure that it's something that stayed in this game. And it seems the style of puzzle solving, puzzle solving is here to stay. When thinking of games in the past that we've worked on, where there was a puzzle to solve and only one answer, that's kind of the past way of developing games. Now I'm happy that we've arrived at this method where we're giving people lots of options and there are many answers to a single problem, and all of them can potentially be correct. I feel happy that we've arrived at this type of development style, he said. I mean, there's there's a lot to get into here. Um... But I do love that he echoes what we were talking about earlier in terms of the cheating is fun thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's give people a variety of ways to solve a puzzle and feel like they can jank their way through it if they want to or find a new creative way to solve it if they want to. It's the way that in my review I talked about how there was a shrine where I found a fan and there was a um, a treasure chest at the top of like a thing and I needed to get up there to get the treasure chest. And instead of doing the smart thing, which would be to hit the fan to turn it on and then use my glider to carry me up, instead I used Ultra Hand to then carry the fan upwards, I slowly lowered it down, I got on top of the fan, and then I used recall to then rewind the fan up so that I can get to the ledge because I overthought it. Like, (laughs) if you're a lot of... You blew my mind, bless. Oh, my God. That would have saved me, like, 15 minutes in the shrine last night. When I tell you there are so many puzzles I solved that way, like, I saw... I went through major... I, I skipped major puzzles just by using the recall in the ultra hand, just by holding a thing up, putting it down recalling it and using it to lift me up fun fact if you are on the ground and you have a glider and you want to get like, let's say you're on a sky island without like a rail to shoot the glider from if you want that glider to get air and start flying use that like hold it up slowly lower it down get on it recall uh, recall it until it gets high and then undo recall and then you can just take off from the air See, th- this right here, Bless, me and you sitting here, you just blowing my mind, telling me something that is going to change the way that I play this game for the next what? 70 hours? I don't know. This reminds me of being a little kid on the playground, being at elementary school, talking to people about, did you, did, 
you know, if you did this, you get Mew and Pokemon Red. Like yep. that type of stuff where half of it's real, half of it's fake, but it's real because we're all adults yeah. and we're all helping each other. It's just such a fun community experience. Like this is this is Dude, my, incredible. My mind, Thank you, Nintendo. My mind was blown when I saw, I think it was the GameSpot video where they made the skateboard, right? Using the, um, I think it was, might've been a minecart. Um, fuse the minecart to the shield and now you can just skateboard around and you can use that to grind. I played this game for over 70 hours and I didn't even think about that. And that's such a smart thing. I've seen people do the same thing with bombs where they'll fuse a bomb to a shield, do the thing where they, you know, flip it into a skate or skateboard or whatever, or a sled, and then use, the bomb will blow up and that'll launch them because the shield is pr protecting them from the bottom. And so they use that to like, elevate and gain air such cool things in that puzzle i was talking about earlier that i was convinced that there was no right way to solve it i saw cameron hawkins um method which was using his uh minecart shield to grind the rails i saw the actual method right which is to create the long board and then put three boards um like evenly distributing weight god why, why are we talking about this like this is physics because it is, it is. <laughs> but yeah you like you do the boards and then you can you can transition from the two rails to the one rail i've seen that the way I did it was I made um, a board going long ways with like <laughs> the fin on the bottom um, to guide or um, um, yeah, I guess slide up one rail. And then as I was doing that, I was holding another board that was built the same way. And I put it on the second rail while holding it and then jumped to it so I could then go the rest of the way. These are all various ways of solving that one problem. Of course, my way was super jank. Cameron Hawkins' way was super creative, and the default way was the smart way to do it. But all of them work, right? At the end of the day, we all got the light of blessing that we we're looking for, and we're able to be satisfied with that. And so, yeah, I love I love that. That's first and foremost. The other thing, though, is that I kind of miss classic 3D Zelda design. Of course. And I, I, I wish, and maybe we'll get there someday. We will. I'll, I'll love the scenario where we can get all three types of Zeldas, We're where gonna. it is classic top-down 2D Zelda, classic 3D Ocarina-style Zelda, and then the new Breath of the Wild 2 is the Kingdom type Zelda. Plus, let me, let me tell you something. You're not only going to get those, you're going to get remakes of probably all of those. Mm -hmm. You're also going to get a Zelda Maker type thing. It's Nintendo. Like, they, they have a blueprint, they stick to it, and they keep going. And it's, I think they're going to continue to keep doing that. Like, we're going to, I believe it in my heart of hearts, we're going to get Wind Waker and Twilight Princess oh, HD to. on the Switch, right? Mm -hmm. Once that happens, the majority of the of Zelda games will be playable on Switch uh, of classic times. I think it's inevitable at this rate that we're going to get an Ocarina of Time remake. But I don't want that yet. Like, I want an Ocarina of Time remake when things are actually 4K and things are actually, like... Like, I want the Resident Evil 2 remake of Ocarina of Time, or else at this point, we don't really need it, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it needs to be a substantial step up, because the 3DS remake whatever you want to call that was awesome and like but now it's stuck on the 3ds so i feel like we're going to get those things i think we're we're going to I, I brought up resident evil i think resident evil is actually a really good analog franchise where we now see that there's the the new games that are the first person seven eight potentially nine type style of re we get the remakes that are two three four that are taking the old ones and kind of modernizing them in like this amazing way that somehow just works beautifully but then we also get the spin-offs with like revelations and things like that that are more like old school traditional resident evil games mm -hmm. it's not exactly like it but it's like it's close enough i do think that we're going to get at this point a zelda spin-off game in the same way that like Phantom Hourglass and um, Spirit Tracks on the DS. Like those are core Zelda games, but they always felt a little weird because they were really tied to the DS's functionality and stuff. 
like that it's debatably a spinoff, but it's also core. I think we're going to get some of those. I think I that so. I, I, I would not be surprised if the next thing Grezzo is working on, which is the people that made uh, Link's Awakening remake. Um, and um, I think they also worked on Luigi's Mansion 3. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's next level. That's wrong, too. I'm fucking this up. You're wrong. Me. Let me know what's going on there. But um, I think Grezzo would be could be working on uh, a new more traditional Zelda, whether it's... Yeah. I mean, they worked on one. the what, Ocarina of Time remake That's for weird. 3DS yeah. and then also Majora's Mask remake. So I, I can see the, them... I, I could also see them doing the Oracle games. Like, there's totally. still so many classic games that, like... Yeah, I think the Oracle games are on available on Switch now, but there's still so much that they could play around with if they want to continue doing more, like, remake stuff. I could also see just, like, talking about the 3D space of the... Uh, difference between the uh, Ocarina type games and more of the Breath of the Wild type games. I I do see a future where they could try to find the best of both worlds there because I think the what the promise of Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom delivers is what they were looking for in the very original Legend of Zelda. Tim, you're talking about like the on the playground, talking about finding secrets and stuff, and like that was the core of what they wanted the Legend of Zelda to be, of just getting lost and find like finding your own discoveries and making it feel like your own. Whereas uh, a, a few entries after that is when you got more of the guided let's go to a, a temple here, a temple there. And I think uh I think there's a way for them to do an open world, but still bring in the kind of like more traditional like Ocarina of Time or Twilight Princess type of things because it's not like those games were like linear linear where you're like uh, you know it's like corridors and stuff there's still exploration in those so I think there's, there's I don't know if they can do the let's put 120 shrines in an open world over and over again so I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that like they're trying to experiment of like how do they redefine an open world for themselves well that's you know? what that's what I would like for the next big zelda game i don't i i i love um the current hyrule we're in but i feel like after tears of the kingdom they've gotten so much juice out of it and i'll like especially because i, I imagine when we get to the next big zelda we're going to be on a new platform i want the next re reincarnation the next iteration of, I, I want a new zelda world i want them to keep the breath of the wild mechanics and like the stuff that's made Tears of the Kingdom and Breath of the Wild dope, I want them to keep that, that those elements, the open world. The I would like the shrines actually. I don't know how many. I don't, like 120 shrines is a lot, but I would like I would like a lot of these elements that we have. But I would like a new story, a new world, like a new Link, a new Zelda. Um, yeah, like I I want them to explore those things. I think for me that is my biggest desire uh, coming off of Tears of the Kingdom and, and, and seeing what he's talking about. Um, but yeah, and I, I, mean, I think a good way to go about it, if you were trying to figure out a way to breathe in fresh new life, would be to look toward the past for inspiration. Um, you know, figure out, okay, what did people... Like find, I don't know, like a link to the find, past? Yeah, find a, a link to the past. Got it. God, could you imagine this good type idea. of Zelda, but like literally you're going, you're going like back and forth through time? I know that's literally a Zelda thing that we've gotten before, but like in this new iteration of Zelda I'm talking about. I mean, dude, yeah, there's, there's so many the, the limitless possibilities and potential i saw a couple of people in the chat saying that i'm in a dream world we got metroid or metroid 5 y'all we got metroid dread all right it's true we didn't like it takes a while for nintendo but eventually it happens eventually it happens the bill always comes due and speaking of bills we need to pay ours you can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny to get the show ad free but for everyone else that was a 10 out of 10 here's a word from our sponsor Shout out to Shady Rays for sponsoring this episode. Do you want to look as cool as I look? 
Yes, you do. And you can. You can take on the sun with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an unbeatable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair that I've ever worn in my life. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. You can wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. Exclusively for you listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. You can go to ShadyRays.com and use the code KINDAFUNNY. You can get 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. You can try for yourself the shades that are rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Promo code KINDAFUNNY at ShadyRays.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Story number three, Amazon's making a Lord of the Rings MMO for PC and consoles. This comes from Tom Ivan at VGC. Uh, Amazon Games will develop and publish a massively multiplayer online game based on the Lord of the Rings. The PC and console title will be an open-world MMO adventure in a persistent world set in Middle-earth, featuring the beloved stories of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings literary trilogy, according to Monday's announcement. It's in the early stages of production, with development led by Amazon Games Orange County, the studio behind fellow open-world MMO New World the company's first success after many failures and setbacks in gaming, according to Amazon founder Jeff Bezos. Interesting. That, that they consider it a success? That they consider it a success and that they <laughs> own the many failures. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you release an unreleased Crucible in a month, you gotta own that. Like Nobody, nobody saw that and went, oh, yeah, we did it. But we did Jeff the damn Bezos. thing. You know what I mean? I don't know that Jeff Listen, Bezos has to own anything, because he already does. He's Because he owns everything. <laughs> uh, Listen, for, out of, for Jeff Bezos on his list of failures, that's low on the totem pole. Mm -hmm. Like, alright, Crucible, whatever. Have you seen my marriage? <laughs> Bringing players a fresh take on the Lord of the Rings has long been an aspiration for our team, and we're honored and grateful that Middle Earth Enterprises is entrusting us with this iconic world uh said christoph hartman who's amazon games cool. cool this is a great idea honestly like i'm 
I'm not somebody who's into MMOs like New World, and I'm also not a Lord of the Rings person. I'm sure a Snow Mike Mike or an Andy Cortez is going crazy about this. Um, but it's also a good idea, right? They have the rights to uh, Lord of the Rings games, and yeah, like do something with that. If you're trying to expand Amazon Games and you got IP like like Lord of the Rings, do the damn thing. Like this makes sense. And a Lord of the Ring MMO, one we've gotten that right. Like that's a thing that already exists. But yeah, if you're having the New World team work on it and you have confidence and faith in the New World team. For sure, Lord, make Lord that of the Rings Online—that has to be a thing, right? One thousand percent. I like you said. I when you were saying that, I thought you were about to talk about the, the game and be like, "Oh yeah, I played Lord of the Rings Online." No, I definitely did not. But if I type in Lord of the Rings Online, let's see what it happens. still exists. Sixteen years old now. DJ Mayer says in the yep. chat, "Lord of the Rings uh, got a nine out of ten on Steam ratings. Um, IGN gave it an eight point six out of ten. Uh, release date June sixth, twenty twelve." Join the world's greatest fellowship of players in the award-winning online recreation of J.R.R. Tolkien's legendary Middle-Earth. Cool. Now I get another one from Amazon. Cool. Maybe. Maybe not. We'll see if this happens. I assume it's going to come out, right? I don't know. Maybe. It's a really early announcement. We'll, we'll keep you updated here on Kind of Funny Games. We'll keep together. you updated. <laughs> Story number four. Square Enix considering creating new studios and acquiring existing ones. This comes from Amelia Zollner at IGN. Between the releases of Crisis Core, Final Fantasy VII Reunion, Forspoken, and Octopath Traveler 2, it's been another busy year for Square Enix. Still, though, the company hopes to expand, and this might include forming or acquiring new studios. Uh, today, Square Enix revealed that it's thinking about creating new studios and acquiring existing studios as part of its plan to grow its in-house development resources. According to slides from the company's full earnings report released today, Square Enix plans to consider M&A creating new studios and taking minority stakes to build in more external development resources. In addition, it plans to hire more engineers and developers, quote, to develop not only HD and smart device games, but also content for future cross-platform offerings. Square Enix also... Uh, revealed that sales and profit were down during its 2023 fiscal year, though it partially attributed this to the lack of expansions in comparison to last year's DLC for 14. Uh, the company forecasts a stronger year in 2024, fiscal year 2024. Uh, earlier this year, Forspoken developer Luminous Productions was absorbed back into Square Enix to continue working on AAA games, but in March, Square Enix said that Forspoken sales were lackluster. Its president also recently stepped down after a 10-year run that ended in controversial blockchain advocacy. Tim... You're a Square Enix higher-up. Mm -hmm. uh, you're in charge of forming some new Square Enix studios. What are you having them do? You're having them work on new IP? You're having them work on old IP that's been dormant? What it's you a, doing? It's complicated, bless. I don't know. At this point in time, Square's in such an interesting place. We talk about acquisitions a lot on this show and a lot of our shows. And uh, we're about to talk a little bit about the Microsoft Activision Blizzard situation again. Mm -hmm. uh, and in a world where we see a lot of the smaller guys kind of get gobbled up, now these days some of the bigger guys get gobbled up. Square's always been in that conversation. And there's always arguments against it, many arguments against it. One of them being Japanese companies, traditionally harder to, to acquire, to deal with all the legal stuff. And we see even non-Japanese companies yeah. have to deal with that and how complicated it could be. Square recently getting rid of Crystal and Eidos, which is very interesting, right? Like shedding the, the Western uh, developers that kind of diversified their portfolio in a, a really uh, immense way with a lot of hits, a lot of well-selling like games. A lot of notable Tomb Raider, Hitman. Franchises, right? Mm -hmm. And access to licenses from Marvel with Guardians of the Galaxy and Avengers. Now, granted, those things didn't necessarily turn out the way, way Square wanted them to, critically in some ways, sales-wise and others. Um, but there was something there. So for them to get rid of that and shed that, come here, put out Forspoken, and then reabsolve uh, Luminous back, mm -hmm. it's like, 
what is the plan here? What is the strategy? Because they have so many games that come out. They have their Final Fantasies. They have their Dragon Quest. They have their, their HD2D stuff, Octopath, Bravely Default. They kind of have the market like locked when it yeah. comes to PlayStation and Nintendo, right? Their, their games sell very well on Nintendo. They put out a bazillion of them. Yeah, and they Nintendo. have consistency. Like when you talk about, you know, they're talking about Square Enix uh, sales and profit being down during the 2023 fiscal year. And the next sentence or next part of the sentence says, though it partially, this was a part uh, partially attributed to the lack of expansions uh, for the uh, Final Fantasy 14. And we're talking about Final Fantasy 14. Like that is their, what, their golden use? Like I think just <laughs> keep shitting out golden eggs. Like that is such, such a profit for them. And yeah, they've found this flow of, putting out JRPGs of every scale, right? Whether we're talking about the big dogs, like Final Fantasy 16 about to come out, or we're talking about smaller stuff, like um, Everyday Day Life or whatever the fuck that game was called <laughs> last year, right? Like, yeah, they have that that market cornered, and uh, maybe that falls into why they're like, hey, let's get rid of Crystal Dynamics and Idols. Like, let's focus in on these things that are working consistently for us. But I, I, I remember your read on it um, back then being that like, oh yeah, they're for sure shedding themselves for acquisition. And I still think they're, probably in that place still but so it's interesting because they're making moves that are against common knowledge of what you want to do when you're trying to be acquired mm -hmm. but having said that they're in a unique position where they there's a lot of financial gain to be had playing the game how they're doing it right now and i don't know what that could look like but i again there's the the pros and cons of, of doing it for them and for the consumers and for everybody but i think that uh, the more and more we look at Square in 2023, the potentially 2024 and all that, their partnerships and kind of like aligning with Nintendo for um, the titles that are now also crossing back over to yeah. PlayStation and, and Xbox even, right? With uh, Oct Is Octopath Traveler 2 on Xbox or is it just PlayStation? Oh, that's a really good question. I, I imagine it's on both. But uh, for the big AAA stuff being exclusive on PlayStation and then um, the like still big titles like Autobot Traveler 2 and things like that coming to, to Switch, like Square kind of has it locked mm. that I don't, they don't need to be acquired. Octopath is not yet on Xbox. Yeah. Uh, Octopath 2 at least. I not found, yet? I found an article that says, according to the game's producer, uh, Masashi Takahashi, Square Enix decided to cancel Octopath Traveler 2 on Xbox after observing the sales of the other titles. Wow. That's from xputer.com. Yeah, so it's, it's real interesting. Uh, so again, I struggle to see uh, a Square wanting to get acquired or people even wanting to acquire them with the fact that so much of the value is tied to Nintendo. Mm. Like, I, I don't see that changing. And I also don't see PlayStation acquiring them and allowing that to, to maintain. Uh, so, yeah. cause this is not like a Microsoft Minecraft situation. I think it's a lot bigger than that. So I don't know where we're at now, but anyway, to go back to your original question of what I would do, I don't know, kind of keep going. I think Square's kind of kicking ass right now. I know that there's been some major blunders and mistakes, so much microtransaction or NFT talk and metaverse and all yeah. that stuff, but like everyone's talking. Never forget Babylon's right? fall. And there are Babylon's falls. There's Forspoken that just happened, yeah. right? But it is important. Square Enix has a major blund uh, blunder every year. Yeah, the quiet one major. The quiet, the quiet, quiet man. man. What was the one? The platformer um, that was oh, really Balance bad. Wonder Balance World. Wonder World. Dude, there's there's a lot of failures. Having said that, there's a lot of incredible sequels, reboots, remasters, new IP. Like the, across the board, Square has great examples of all those things, and not many other developers have that, and yeah. publishers have that. Like they might have one or the other or whatever. Square has it all. It also has failures in most of those uh, realms as well. 
Um, but and and also MMOs like with Final Fantasy, like they really just have locks across many of uh, gaming's different kind of verticals of like yeah. what we expect from modern video games. Something's in my eye now; it's really annoying me. But um, yeah, I. I, it's the red dot from the Square Enix. Yeah. <laughs> their lawyers, they're like, take him out. He knows too much. Um, but I, I, I totally lost what I, I was going with that. But yeah, Square's, I think they're kind of killing it right now. And mm -hmm. they're taking swings. And a Forspoken wasn't great, and most people didn't love it. But hey, at least it was something new. And like, people always want new IP. That's a new IP. Yeah. You know, people want good new IP. And I get that. But it's like, they're taking the swing in a major way. That was a very big, expensive video game. Yeah. You know? And it just wasn't it, sadly. Wasn't it? Let's move on to story number five. I teased it earlier, but here it is. The EU approves Microsoft's $68.7 billion Activision Blizzard bid. This comes from Tom Phillips at Eurogamer. Microsoft's stalled Activision Blizzard buyout received some positive news today as the EU offered its approval. The uh, European Commission had been one of three major regulators stand regulators. Regulators, Regulate. own up. Uh, standing in the way of the deal alongside the U.S. Federal Trade Commission and the U.K.'s Competition and Markets Authority, the latter of which dramatically blocked the deal last month, dealing a sizable blow to it succeeding overall. Microsoft is now set to appeal that decision. In Brussels, however, uh, it's better news for Microsoft after a couple of concessions ended up winning over EU regulators. Crucially, the EU has given the nod to the deal after securing agreements to lessen its potential impact on the emerging cloud gaming market, the main sticking point with the UK's regulator. This includes a free license for European gamers to stream any Activision Blizzard game they own via any cloud gaming service of their choice, and a free license for cloud gaming services in the region to host said games on their platform. The EU ultimately dismissed its earlier concerns around the deal's potential to harm rival console makers like Sony and Nintendo and game subscription services like PlayStation Plus. Ultimately, the EU decided Microsoft was unlikely to pull Activision Blizzard games like Call of Duty from rival consoles as it would see profits suffer as a result, an argument Microsoft itself repeatedly put forward. However, the EU also decided that even if Microsoft did pull Call of Duty from PlayStation, as Sony would be able to leverage its size, extensive games catalog, and market position to fend off any attempt to weaken its competitive position. On cloud streaming, the EU found that the deal was unlikely to change much as the market is still very limited today. Indeed, the EU said it believes the deal could actually promote its growth. So that was said. And the CMA, the ones that blocked Xbox, they're mm. like, okay, cool. I guess you're right. That's fine. Let's let it that's happen. Not, that's not what they Psych. said. Psych. That ain't that's what, not what they said. That ain't what happened. They, back. They, 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 they turn to the, the Twitter fingers here, right? Uh, they go to Twitter and on the, the CMA's official Twitter. Which I didn't know they had. That's funny, first of all, that the CMA has an official Twitter. Yeah. And uh, they, they did a little thread here saying, our response to the European Commission's announcement today on Microsoft slash Activision, one out of five. And then they put the little thread emoji they didn't oh they're not scoring it they didn't out of five. that but <laughs> <laughs> the uk us and european commission authorities are unanimous that this merger would have would harm competition in cloud gaming the cma concluded that cloud gaming needs to continue as a free competitive market to drive innovation and choice in this rapidly evolving sector microsoft's proposals accepted by the european commission today would allow microsoft to set the terms and conditions for this market for the next 10 years they would replace a free open and competitive market with one subject to ongoing regulation of the game's Microsoft sells, the platforms to which it sells them, and the conditions of sale. This is one of the reasons the CMA's independent panel group rejected Microsoft's proposals and prevented this deal. While we recognize and respect that the European Commission is entitled to take a different view, the CMA stands by its decision. This is very fascinating because I didn't 
I, I, I didn't know that different marketing merging authorities had like a back and forth in this way where it's, oh, they approved it. But let's put out our statement and reinforce why we didn't approve it. I wonder why. Like, I wonder why that is the case, why CMA would feel the need to do that. I wonder if that is a reputation thing of, hey, we're standing our ground and we believe in our decision. We want people to know that we're a trustworthy authority and this, this is our reasons, even though I think their reasons are bad. And that's me saying that as like, I don't have a horse in this race. Whether or not Microsoft acquires Activision or doesn't get to acquire Activision, I'm very much an onlooker and I'm fascinated either way. Um, but that, that said, EU has a good, like, it's, the European Commission seems to have a pretty good understanding of what all this is. Like, as you read through the reasoning and as you read, read through their read on it, it's like, yeah, like, no, Microsoft would lose money if they pull Call of Duty off of PlayStation. So they don't have a monopoly there. Um, you know, where the, the contracts make it so now... Uh, people can play Call of Duty through any cloud platform, which is wild, right? Like the idea of if you're a cloud cloud gaming service, you have, you get a free license for um call, the, to host Call of Duty uh, on whatever platform. That's fucking wild. I didn't know that was the case, and that's actually like huge. And that also makes that also reinforces the idea of what is the CMA's issue? Like why is the CMA so hung up on this? Um, so that's also. But then yeah, like you know the the European commission seems like they understand this or what's going on here way more than the cma like the cma they keep reinforcing the cloud thing and i don't get it like i don't I, cloud seems like such a small part of this whole thing um but they keep hammering it home and like i'm i assume like uh, microsoft just said that they're going to um you know come back and try again right and like make this thing happen and i assume at this point that they're good that they're gonna make it happen um man i don't know i just find the cma thing so weird the fact that they're blocking it on these reasons like if there are other reasons i'd be like all right cool whatever but like just based on the cloud shit alone i'm like i don't i don't i don't get it yeah i don't get it yeah man well we're gonna keep talking about this i'm sure forever um but before we do that let me tell you about stories number six and seven i'm gonna read these two together because they're mm. both similar they're both sad uh and it's unfortunate overall playstation backed deviation games hit with layoffs uh and the witcher spin-off studio hit with significant layoffs uh this comes from jordan midler at vgc and hiring crier at games radar playstation backed studio deviation games has been hit with layoffs with sources telling vgc as many as 90 members of staff may have been affected several now ex-employees of deviation have announced their departure on social media with software engineer kyle paris writing that my Quote, my student recently ran into a difficult situation and was forced to make a number of layoffs, which I was a part of. In September last year, one of Deviations Games co-founders, Chief Creative Officer Jason Blundell, left the studio. The studio is developing an original IP, which will be published by Sony Interactive Entertainment. Uh, and then the Witcher one is the Witcher's Project Sir Sirius Studio appears to have been hit with layoffs. Last week on May 11th, CD Projekt announced the Witcher's Project Sirius was effectively back on track, having been successfully rebooted from its original vision. A day later, on May 12th, staff at the Molasses Flood, the CG Project-owned studio heading up the project, took to social media to reveal they'd been laid off from the developer. A tweet from Kotaku reporter Ethan Gotch claims that 29 developers were affected. An unattributed quote states that because the project changed, so has the comp composition of the team that's working on it, mainly on the Molasses Flood's side. So, both sad stories, right? Yeah. Talking about layoffs. I think the deviation one is a bit more interesting just in terms of what deviation was to PlayStation. Because if you remember about two years ago at Summer Game Fest, they came out and they announced that they're working with PlayStation on a new AAA uh, shooter, right? And that was one of the games I was going to fall in line with PlayStation's whole 
games as a service strategy. And we've seen PlayStation partner with quite a few of the these independent bigger studios between Haven, which they ended up acquiring, uh, Firewalk, which they ended up acquiring, and now Deviation, which <laughs> they which who who are who are laying off a large amount of their staff. It seems like PlayStation is in a um, content like portfolio review stage because we just talked about how the Concrete Genie developer Pixel Opus they got shut down and they were a PlayStation owned studio. Um, Media Molecule is ended development on Dreams. They talk about how now they're going to work on the next thing. Like I, I, I think this is all part of PlayStation being like, hey, let's look at everything and um, reassess and make sure that everything is falling in line. Because even with the Pixel Opus story, the PlayStation's literal statement was. Hey, yeah, we reviewed on. Well, we did a review on you know our. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but our goals as a company and our you know company vision and this what they're doing doesn't align with what we are as PlayStation, and so that's why they're not here anymore. Um, it seems like PlayStation is just in that stage, and I there are so many question marks in terms of this deviation thing. I wonder if it is whatever they're working on just isn't up to standard of what PlayStation is looking for, and therefore they might have pulled back on. Um, budget, scope, whatever. Um, but it's unfortunate either way that people are losing their jobs, right? It's unfortunate that uh, that, that layoffs are happening. And it makes me wonder, what is the future of this deviation game? Do we ever even see this, this deviation game? Is that partnership going to be null and void going forward? Like, is that going to be a thing? I don't, I, I'm at the place now where I don't have much faith in seeing this game. Um, so yeah, that's... That that's my read on it, and then yeah, the Witcher thing is unfortunate um, um, too, right? Project Sirius, I believe, was the multiplayer uh, project, and so like, you know, there's so many question marks there too in terms of how far out that is, how many different Witcher projects are being worked on, and then yeah, like, what is the vision for this Witcher multiplayer thing? Is that now reducing in scope because? Like CD Projekt Red is like, no, we don't need it to be this thing; we need it to be this other thing. Who knows? But either way, yeah, unfortunate. And our hearts go out, of course, to the people that um, are losing their jobs out there. Absolutely. And, you know, this is kind of Funny Games Daily. So that means mm -hmm. we get to talk about, like, the fun sales numbers. We get to talk about the sad layoffs. We get to talk about the Microsoft Activision Blizzard acquisition latest rumblings. And then, of course, there has to be toxic workplace allegations. Of course. God damn it. Can we fucking be better, everybody? Um, but there, there's some good news to this one. There, mm -hmm. There's like a silver lining. Uh, the story number eight, the final story of the day, Open Roads team splits from Fulbright after toxic workplace allegations. This comes from Ryan Leston at IGN. The Open Roads team is no longer a part of Fulbright after splitting with the company. According to Fulbright co-founder Steve Gaynor, the team, now known as the Open Roads team, will continue to work with Annapurna Interactive, but is no longer connected to its former studio. Quote, after a great deal of consideration, it's just no longer Fulbright's place to represent Open Worlds publicly going forward. It'll be credited to the Open, War Open Roads team at launch. It's been almost two years since Gaynor stepped down as a creative lead on Open Roads, following accusations of creating a toxic work culture. His behavior reportedly led to 12 staff members exiting the studio, with women repeatedly broken down by microaggression, according to reports. My leadership style was hurtful to people that worked at Fulbright, and for that I truly apologize. Uh, while the Open Roads team continues to work on the the title it looks as though gainer will be continuing on with fulbright the studio's next total next title will be a solo endeavor um so yeah you know obviously horrible story there in terms of yeah. the, the toxic workplace but this seems to be a positive it's a positive it's a step yeah. in the right direction yeah. right because the the toxic workplace stuff was reported in i believe 2020 um in regards to the whole thing that went down with fulbright and steve gainer and how he was not a, a good leader right and he mistreated people and people left because of him um and so yeah to see the open to see open roads continue as a game that that's the thing that 
at least I, I think that is the silver lining. Cause when I first read this headline, I was like, Oh, open roads is not happening. They're going to cancel open roads. And to see them go, no, we're splitting off from Fulbright and becoming just the open roads team. And we're going to still work with Annapurna to get this game out. That's good news. Right. And them working on this game separately from Steve Gaynor. I think that's good news. And then, yeah, Steve Gaynor seemingly having Fulbright be just a solo studio and having it be just him. That's probably best for all parties involved. Like, yeah, like you should not, like, I, I, I know he's already stepped down as leader. Cause that was the whole story before, but yeah, like I, I couldn't imagine going through all that and then still being at a studio, working with him at the same studio and being like, Hey, I got to collaborate with this guy who made this toxic work, this, this workplace toxic for the, for, for the longest time. Like, yeah, no split off, do your own thing, like work in work in solitude and make your game or whatever. Um, but yeah, I'm glad that the Open Roads folks are able to continue on with the game and hopefully make this something that they're proud of and happy to be a part of working. Yeah. Plus, I hope that one day we don't need to talk about the majority of the things that we have to talk about on this show. Mm. But until then, if I want to know what's coming to Mom and Grab Shops today, where would I look? You would look toward the official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show hosts each and every weekday. Do, 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 yeah. Usually I try to like end with a more upbeat story so the transition is, is yeah, less no, difficult. Yeah, that, it was tough because we had three in a row and I was like, ah, shit. Well. Yep, it's, it is what it is, man. There's those days. Um, out today. Cook, serve forever. Early access on PC. Trail of Ayash on PC. And Geikosu, Benza, Race, Toilet, Shooting Star. You would be shocked to see the art for this game. Actually, you might not be shocked to see the art Toilet for this game. Shooting star. I, when I was copying over the out today stuff, this one came with the image, um, like the like the um, promotional art for it. And Tim, yeah, okay. Oh shit, Bear Spiral gameplay, and this is even better than I thought. Yeah. Holy shit. God, this looks like what I remember arcades during the late nineties. Being like. So for audio listeners, it looks to be a driving, a uh, racing game actually, but Mario Kart esque. Yeah, instead of driving cars, they are driving toilets, and your character is sitting on the toilet reading a newspaper and driving around. Wow, there's and it looks like yeah, it looks like a early arcade game with just madness on the screen. This UI is something else. A, I don't think I've ever seen more on. UI ever. Oh, you should boot up Final Fantasy fourteen. Also, look at the map on the the top right. Why is there just a yellow circle not on the course? <laughs> oh, yeah. What is that yellow? Because the, the line is probably where the, the lap thing is. What, do we, what would the yellow circle be? Oh, man. Question. There's a lot going if on. If you've played this toilet game, let us know let what us the yellow know. thing is. Some new dates for you. WrestleQuest has been delayed to summer 2023. Really excited for that one. Uh, the Super Mario Bros. movie available digitally Tuesday, May 16th in the United States for uh, purchase. That is wild to me but hey it's happening let's go uh hawk and reborn launches may 17th early access on steam final fantasy 14 patch 6.4 the dark throne is coming may 23rd uh smurf's cart launches on everything it's exactly August what it sounds 22nd. like second yep layers of fear launches june 15th for xbox series x ps5 and pc not gonna lie oh i guess it's probably a new it's like a next gen version or something. layers of fear yeah uh oh yeah it must it, be no isn't that is it sequel? like a new one well, there was so. there was layers of fuck. It was the layer of fear. No, layers of fear. Then layers of fear too. And now I think it is a reboot. But oh, I no. thought the reboot already came out. Huh. Hmm. I can hmm. double check. Um, and Vampire: The Masquerade Blood Hunt ends development, but will keep service up indefinitely. Um, now it no, is. Now, never mind. This is the new game built on Unreal Engine Five. 
Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. It's time for your wrong. You can go to kindofunny.com slash your wrong to let us know what we get wrong as we screw it up live. Um, uh, CWLUC says Bezos is no longer the CEO of Amazon in January 2021. Jeff Bezos uh, designated Andy Jassy his official successor as CEO with the transition occurring on July 5th, 2021. It's been some time since Jassy's been in charge and making interesting decisions at Amazon. Oh. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't know that. I don't think I knew that either. But I also, I don't know if we technically that. got that wrong because we just read from the story. But Still, we did talk about Jeff. I appreciate Bezos. this though because now I learned something. Now I learned something. I learned a lot today, Wes. Yeah. I learned this, and I learned the whole using the fan, using the oh, the using ultra the recall, hand, the ultra hand recall. That'll Woo. get you, dude. That'll get you through so many. Oh, baby. if you if you just want to stop thinking for a second, oh. use that ultra hand, lift something up, use recall, get on that thing, get lifted up. I can't wait to keep talking about this game for the rest of my life with you, bless. Um, that's been kind of funny, Game Daily. What an episode! It was some good. What an it was episode. Some bad. It was a lot of great Zelda talk, and there was some memories made right here on YouTube.com/slash Kind of Funny Games. Of course, we're going to do our little fun post show. Snowbike Mike's about to join us. Really excited for that. I exited the dock. But bless, do you want to let people know who's hosting the rest? I can let people who know who's hosting the rest of the week. This week's hosts are on Tuesday tomorrow. You're getting me and the one and only Snow Michael. Michael, it's me and you, bro. Me and you. Uh, On Wednesday, you got me and Greg. Thursday, you got me and Tim. Then on Friday, you got Greg and Tim. Of course, if you're watching this live, remember we're trying something new with YouTube super chats right here on KFGD, only on YouTube in the live stream. There's going to be a 30 minute post show where Mike comes in. We talk to him about your super chat questions. So stay tuned for that. This has been kind of funny games daily. It has. Want to sign off? I will. Until next time. I love you all. Goodbye.